That's great. We um, we always start out our meetings uh, many times speaking in tongues. Uh, Jesus said it himself in Mark 16. Those who believe will speak in tongues. And so uh, if you have been taught that otherwise, that it's not for you or not for everyone, Jesus himself said, those who believe will speak in tongues. And that is a uh, that is a benefit of being conformed into his image, which um, we'll probably uh, share a little bit about today. Um, my name is Clint Kaler, if you don't know us, and this is James Price, and we are in the United States of America in the state of Missouri, uh, near the town of Joplin, Missouri, and we... Uh, we are part of a, a, a group here where we are equipping and maturing believers uh, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of their own works of ministry. The goal being to, uh, from you know, as the Bible states, the goal being to uh, bring everyone into maturity and to undo the works of darkness, to destroy the works of the devil. It says in Hebrews... I'm going to let you share first in a minute here. Hebrews 2.14 says that through his death, through the death of Jesus Christ, he might destroy the one who holds the dominion of death. And ever since the the fall of mankind, the fall of Adam and Eve, as we know it from Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis, ever since that time, the devil has been ruling the world with the dominion that he stole from Adam. Jesus came back as the last Adam to take back that dominion and then to adopt through his sacrifice many sons uh, just like Jesus the Son. So uh, the idea being that God is going to restore order into this world through the body of Christ, through the church, and that's why it says that Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, Jesus came with the government of God on his shoulder. The Hebrew word for government there can be translated uh, kingdom. So Jesus came teaching about the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom, instructed his disciples and us, if we are disciples, to proclaim the same message and, and make a public proclamation with such uh, gravity and authority that demands that the message be heard and obeyed. And as we go proclaiming the arrival of this kingdom, that all mankind can uh, can be brought into unity with God again, can be saved. This is what 1 Peter 2.24 says, that he bore our sins on a tree, that we would die to sin and live unto righteousness. By his stripes you were healed. That's like the whole gospel in one verse that we would die to sin. So so when Jesus came preaching the kingdom, the idea is that through his death, as we're talking about in Hebrews 2.14 here real quick, that through his death he might destroy the one who holds the dominion of death. That word destroy in the Greek, you can look it up, it means to make of no effect. So uh, God's plan through Jesus Christ is that we, the body of Christ, who have been made uh, and conformed, as it says in uh, Romans 8.29, conformed, predestined to be conformed into his image, that we who are adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ would 
not only be forgiven of sin, but die to sin and live unto righteousness and walk in divine health, according to 1 Peter 2.24. So God's will for us is that we destroy the works of the devil. We have the same ministry as Jesus Christ. He came as the once and for all sacrifice for all sin. So we don't need to do take that upon ourselves. We live in the benefit of that sacrifice and do the work uh, of his ministry, which is to set captives free, as he declared, uh, as Luke wrote down uh, when Jesus uh, went into the temple and read from the scroll of Isaiah, he has come to set the captives free and to preach the acceptable day of the Lord. So we find ourselves as the church, as the body of Christ, having been conformed into his image, made like him, uh, sin has been blotted out, and we have been given the, a new nature which empowers us to die to sin and live unto righteousness. And we have, as Fidel was speaking about, uh, we have been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It has to be received, but we have been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to cause us to walk in dominion over all things. And these are the, this is the message of the kingdom that we teach. It's bearing fruit. Um, <clears throat> I was just talking with Fidel right before we started here. Uh, we, we have a continual flow of healings and miracles, not just through me, but through James and through the other people that we teach. In fact, one woman uh, uh, does a broadcast like this on another platform, and there, were, uh, there was a lady on her broadcast that uh, so she had a stroke. She had like three strokes. Yes. And I don't remember what side. Her left side. Was her left side. Her arm was shriveled up, and her leg was drawn in, and her foot was turned upside down. And she began to share with her about the stripes of Jesus. And while she was ministering the word of God to her, her body on the left side came back to life and her arm uh, loosened and her foot turned back over. And this is all online, just like we are right now. So, and, and there, you know, she's a young woman. She's got children. She's a mom. She's not, you know, some fancy scholar or theologian or teacher. She's just an everyday saint who's doing the work of the ministry. Uh, we were out, uh, this is a couple, three weeks ago now, and we found a man <clears throat> whose name was Patrick, and uh, he was deaf in both ears, and he was in his 60s probably, and he was deaf in both ears because his mother had taken wire coat hangers. Uh, I assume you guys have coat hangers in India, I don't know. In America, we have coat hangers that are made of wire. Some are made of plastic, some are made of wire, but you can take the wire apart, and uh, it's a rigid piece of wire. Well, his mom had taken that wire and shoved it into his ears and punctured his ears, leaving him deaf. And, uh, and, and I began to speak to him and talk to him and tell him who we are and that we're healing the sick in his neighborhood because we go door to door healing the sick and ministering to folks and preaching the gospel. And uh, that's that verse right there, Hebrews 2.14. Um, and uh, he, he was reading my lips. That's how he could understand what I was saying. But we, we were having a very good conversation because he couldn't read, you know, my lips as well as I wanted to communicate. And 
So I asked him if we could pray for him. You know, I start doing this. Can we pray for your ears? He's like, yeah, sure. Pray for my ears. And uh, I put my hands on his ears like this. And I just commanded them in Jesus name open. Okay. And I took my hands down and he, uh, first thing he says, my ears are popping. And I said, do your ears pop all the time? He's like, no, they never pop. His, my ears are popping. And then he said, the screeching stopped. The noise stopped. And apparently, he has been living for all these years with a screeching noise in his ears from the damage. He said the noise stopped. And then uh, at that time, uh, at that time, uh, James came along and we were all there. And uh, we watched him just over the course of a, of a few minutes. His hearing just continually increased better and better and better until the point where I was able to turn around and I said the name of Jesus. I said, repeat what I say. So I turned around so he couldn't read my lips. And I I said, Jesus. He goes, it sounds like you said Jesus. (laughs) So that was on Good Friday when we did that. He goes, happy Good Friday to me. So that's, uh, that's what we're doing. And the reason that we do that is because we're taking responsibility for our city and the areas around our city to eradicate sickness and disease. Jesus commanded his disciples in Luke chapter 10 to go into every city where he himself was about to enter and heal the sick that are there. So he sent them out in groups of two and they went into the cities of the surrounding region, uh, no less than 35 cities. And on their whole journey, their job was to go into a city and wipe out sickness and disease. Go into a city and heal all the sick, the lame, the paralyzed, And they came back rejoicing and said, hey, we went in there to heal the sick, but even the demons were subject to us. So not only did they heal the sick, but they drove out devils as well. And they left cities whole. They left cities healed and they preached as they went. The kingdom of God is at hand. And this this is the force of the New Testament church that we could, uh, as Jesus instructed his disciples to pray, Pray like this, your kingdom come. What does it look like for God's kingdom to come? Uh, He said it like this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in order for God's kingdom to come, there's a will that has to be done. We are the ones that do the will of God. And when we do the will of God, what's the purpose? To make earth just like heaven. To bring order, God's order, which is called righteousness, to earth as it is in heaven. God wants to rule the earth just like he rules in heaven. But he's not going to come down here and do the job for us. He sent Jesus as the first of a, of a new a race of sons. Uh, he sent Jesus as a new kind of human. That's why it's called he's called the last Adam because he's, he's the last one needed to accomplish the will of God on the earth. He's a, he started over in Christ. And then adopted us into the same kind of sonship. Uh, And then through us, Jesus promised not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church. Indicating that we are supposed to completely overrun hell's most fortified defenses. And see people set free and, and then disciple. Because he's commanded us in Matthew 28 to disciple nations. And what does it mean to command them to obey or observe or obey 
all the things I've commanded you. So to bring them into full maturity, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, until we see righteousness make hell, according to Hebrews 2.14, of no effect. Okay? Make sin and death of no effect. Because that's what's happened to us through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. That he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin, live to righteousness, and live in divine health and set the captives free. So, man, there's the gospel already. As I say, there we go. Ta-da. All right, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. All right. Hello, everyone. All right. Mine might be a little bit different than last time, so just bear with me. <laughs> I'm going to do Philippians 3, 7 through 8, okay? But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I can I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Hallelujah. Okay. Do we let our lives get too busy? Do we let our desires of this world slow down or distract us? Now, you look back at Paul. Paul was an extremely busy man, or back when he was Saul. Okay. He was... Influential. Busy killing Christians. He was busy, yeah, persecuting. <laughs> but he was a, a man working towards a, um, a a goal, like a leader in, in the earthly things, you know, the world things, a leader in the church, put it this way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we let other people's desires get in the way? Do we let our thoughts become consumed with things of the world? Do we let our thoughts get consumed with our status or what people think of us or what people want from us or the desires of the flesh, earthly desires? That's exactly how Saul was. You know, that's exactly how he was. Christ, you know, he didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. He thought he was a man of God, but it was all about flesh. It was all about, that's true. It was all about status quo. Which has no value. If so, then we do not have things in order. Okay. <clears throat> if we're too busy focused on status quo, desires of the flesh, desires of the world, anything that is not of the kingdom, then we do not have our things in order. Okay. We have let our lives get distracted or too full of things that are rubbish. <clears throat> things that are not a priority. Have no true value because they are only temporary. 
They do not benefit the kingdom of God. They do not lead us to becoming more like Christ. We must lose these things and chase after the goal of becoming more like Him in all in all our ways. Okay, well, how do we do that? Well, look at Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Okay? That's very fitting. <laughs> we must set our mind on things above. That is to be focused on the kingdom. That is to have your mind set on things of the Spirit. Okay? Which is exactly how Jesus operated. He only did the things that would demonstrate or advance the kingdom. Correct? <clears throat> that was and, in, and is his focus. You get that? That was his focus and is his focus. Yeah. Advancing the kingdom. Yeah. Demonstrating the kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. That, that must be our focus. We must put the kingdom first and we can not do that concerned with things of this world. Okay. Yeah. We, in order to walk like Christ, be like Christ, we must be kingdom-focused. We have, must have our minds set on things of the kingdom. Correct? We cannot do that with our lives consumed with the things of the world. The desires of the flesh. The ad advancement in man's eyes. You know, like a career. I mean, yes, everybody's... <coughs> we we got to have a job. Seems like to get by in this world, you know... But we cannot let that be our focus. You know, it's one thing I've started demonstrating at my work is I don't need you. <laughs> you know, they know that my focus is God. Okay. And I will not let them stand in my way. Mm -hmm. And so much that I confronted the boss about it. And we had a good discussion. I'll say it that way. And he knows where my priorities are, and now he has switched his priorities, okay? He has turned to leave to where he is chasing after the kingdom. So, hallelujah. Thank you there. When our lives are consumed with the things of this earth, so I urge us, okay, I urge us all <clears throat> to search out, let's see, so I urge us to search our lives and remove any distraction and make sure our focus is on advancing the kingdom, being spirit-minded, being like Christ Jesus, our King. Okay. Does everybody kind of see where I'm going or where I'm coming from? Maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> Nowadays, it seems like the way the economy is worldwide. I mean, everybody sees glimpses of the news. Things are not great. <clears throat> Things just keep going downhill and downhill. We cannot let that overtake our thoughts. We cannot let that consume our thought pattern. We must keep our focus on the kingdom. Okay? The enemy will use anything to, if he can distract us in any way, he's going to. Rather, we'll be with careers, with enjoyments of life, 
you know, friends, family, entertainment, the world itself, the world's issues. We must maintain the focus of advancing the kingdom, doing the things of the kingdom. In order to do that, we must seek out the Holy Spirit, focus on what He would focus on. Let Him be our light. Let Him be our guide. Let Him be the one that works through us. You know, it's experiential knowledge of Christ, which Mm -hmm. is doing, okay? Doing the knowledge, doing the knowledge you have. We all have the knowledge of Christ. Now, in order to maintain that focus on the kingdom and advance the kingdom and do the things of the kingdom, you must have experiential knowledge. That means put that knowledge into activity. Okay? Yeah. We cannot do it by being consumed with the things of the world and just every now and then, once a day, saying a prayer to God, oh, thank you, Lord, for all this stuff you have given me. And not do anything to try to advance the kingdom. <clears throat> That's not experiential knowledge. <clears throat> Sorry, but it's not. That is not being kingdom focused. That is being you focused. That is being focused on the things of the flesh, on the things of the world. So I urge us to please everybody maintain our focus on advancing the kingdom, on being more like Christ. So. Yeah, there we go. That's what I had. <laughs> Great. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of play off of some of what you said. Um, let me read. I'm going to read Romans eight twenty nine. This this verse has kind of come up a couple times today. James alluded to it. And I alluded to it. <clears throat> this is what it says in Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that. And so whenever we see these words in order that or therefore or for the purpose of, we see the writer, in this case is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He makes a statement and then gives a consequence or he gives an explanation. So uh, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The firstborn among many brothers. And what is it that these brothers <clears throat> are in the image of? It's to be conformed into the image of his son. And this word conformed in the Greek means to be uh, made or morphed into the likeness of another. That it's actually the Greek word for morph in the English for the word we have morph. It's that that's the word in the Greek to be morphed into something else or to be transformed. It's more than transformed. It's 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 made in the image of to be made in the image of someone else. Okay. Uh, so, to be morphed into the image of Christ, in order to be morphed, we have to understand what that means and when it happens. Okay? So, Jesus was the firstborn in order that he might be the first of many to come. So, the reason that Jesus became a human, ultimately, is for the purpose of many humans just like him 
to walk the earth. <clears throat> and these kind of humans are called sons. All right. He was a begotten son, meaning there's only one of him. But there are many adopted sons, which speaks of us. We have been adopted as sons. So when we are conformed into this image, this we have to understand when this happens, this happens via uh, two events. <clears throat> the first event, Jesus said, you must be born from above. So in order to be born from above, we have to understand why. Why do we have to be born from above? Because we are, we are predestined to be conformed into his image. And Jesus did not proceed from this world. He came, he was born of heaven. He was, came from heaven. He was born of the spirit. He was not born of the seed of man. Now, he had a human body. That benefits us because if we're going to be conformed in his image, uh, that's a good thing. Because we are also uh, people who have a human body. All right? Uh, so, in order to be conformed in his image, we have to be born of the Spirit. So, we have to be born or refathered. I like that word. We have to be refathered or resourced or have a new origin. And that speaks of the result of the sacrifice of Jesus' uh, beating, whipping, flogging, and his crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, that we could come into, uh, or we, we could be, let's say it like this, let's just stick with the theme, we could be conformed into his image, okay? That's why Jesus did this. That's why he suffered, so he could be the first of many, Okay? We could not be the many to come after him without his sacrifice, without his death and burial, without his resurrection. Because unless we get, unless Jesus blots out sin, we cannot come into, or let's say with the theme again, we cannot be conformed into his image because he is a sinless human being who has the fullness of the deity dwelling in his body. That's what it means to be after the order or the image of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. So everything that God is doing through Christ is for the purpose of you being conformed into this likeness. Okay? This doesn't follow common church teaching or themes, but what we're doing today is teaching the Word of God. For what purpose? That you could be conformed and into his image and come into the full full display of it. So you can manifest the fullness of it. All right. So Jesus is a sinless human. And we have, as we read in 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we would die to sin. Okay. Not only has our sin blotted been blotted out, but through uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, we have been adopted or refathered with the same nature as our father. Peter also writes there that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. So not only has our sin nature been canceled out, blotted away, forgiven, our nature has been reformed. 
made new. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. So we're talking about a completely new thing. A new creature in Christ. A new creation in Christ. We have been recreated in his perfect righteousness. So sin is completely wiped out and we have been given the ability to die to sin. Wow. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? All right. Now, let's go to the second part that I mentioned about being conformed into the image of Christ. And this is how, this is how, this is the details of what he, what James is talking about when he says, set your mind on things above. These are the details that we're giving behind all this. Now, what's the second part of Jesus that we need in order to be conformed into his likeness? Well, let's read it. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to keep it very short here, very simple. It's harder to say it simply, okay? Um, See to it, this is Colossians 2, 8 uh, through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul's dealing with here in the early church, he's dealing with beliefs and philosophies that do not proceed from the truth. These are beliefs and philosophies that originate from the minds, from the unrenewed minds of men. He's saying, see to it that you're not led astray. See to it that no one takes you captive, we could say by wrong teaching, okay? Uh, and not teaching according to Christ, okay? What's his teaching according to Christ concerning us? And remember, we have been predestined to be conformed into his image. So everything that Jesus is doing is to bring us into his exact likeness. You know, Romans 8.29. If you believe that, maybe we should get a show of hands. Who believes Romans 8.29 that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son? I believe it. I hope you do too. Because if you believe this, what I'm about to read next is going to change everything. Okay? Verse 9. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now, you just agreed with me that Romans 8.29 was true. That we were predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. And now, Paul is warning us. Don't be taken captive by some other philosophy, by some other teaching, by some empty teaching of men. You know, what what are the commandments of men? What are the traditions of men that Jesus warned us about in Mark 7 and that Paul's warning us about here? These are things that men teach because they don't understand the Word of God. These are things that men teach because their minds have not been renewed to the truth. So if we're going to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we have to get sin blotted out and we have to be made righteousness because he is righteousness. And we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For the purpose of that we could die to sin and live unto righteousness. Okay. So the will of God is for you that you have sin canceled and and no longer live in sin, no longer commit acts of sin. Now, if, if you should happen to sin, we have an advocate, okay? But no one who lives a lifestyle of, the, of sin knows God. 
That's what John writes in the, his epistle in 1 John. No one who knows God can sin. Okay? So that's a great hope and a promise for us that if you're stuck in some cycle in your life, that you can be free. Now, let's read verse 9 again. Since we agree that we are to be conformed, it's the will of God from before the foundation of the world. We were predestined predestined to be conformed into his image. So whatever God made Jesus, he made so that you could become like him. He's the the mold. He's the stamp. He's the blueprint. And he did it so that you could come into his likeness for the purpose of the kingdom. Let's read it again. For in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Now, that means that the whole fullness of who God is and what he is dwelt in Christ. Now, in Philippians 2, which we don't have time to go through right now, but you can study it out yourself, it says that Jesus took off the outward form of God and put on the outward form of a servant in human flesh. Yet, he still maintained the fullness of of the deity in that body. So he didn't come and rule as God in the earth. He came in the form of a human servant filled with the fullness of the deity in human form. The whole fullness, it says. Now, if we are to be conformed into his image in the word of God, it should say somewhere where God's fullness comes to dwell in an adopted son. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't we see in the word of God where it talks about the fullness of God coming to dwell in the sons of God just like Jesus? We do. It starts out in God's promise to Abraham that he will bless all nations and that through his seed all nations would be blessed. That word seed is singular. It speaks of Jesus Christ. And then in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, it says, Christ became a curse for us because cursed is every man who hangs on a tree, that through the blessing of Abraham, we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Receive the promise of the Spirit. Yeah, Joel promised that the Holy Spirit was coming. He prophesied, I will pour out my Spirit on sons and daughters, and and they're going to prophesy and see visions and all these things. And we see the other prophets through the ages prophesying of this kingdom that's coming, this kingdom of sons just like Jesus, because we have been predestined to be conformed into his image. So in Acts chapter 2, well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the apostles and to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Spirit. Okay? What's happening? They are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. They are going to receive, as we read it in verse 9, the whole fullness of, of deity. They're going to receive the whole fullness of deity. Because we read in Corinthians that God doesn't give the Spirit, or He gives the Spirit without measure. <clears throat> God doesn't just give you a little bit, doesn't give James a couple drops of the Spirit and give me like a whole bucket full. This, when the Spirit re- comes to reside in a man through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts chapter 2, the whole spirit, without measure, without measure, 
Someone should look up that verse in Corinthians that he gives the spirit without measure. Okay, what does that mean? It means the whole fullness of deity dwelling in you. Okay, now verse 10 says, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So if we have been filled in context, we're filled with this in the same way that Jesus Christ is filled. Because of who because of what Jesus did and who he was, we are coming and have been, according to this, past tense, conformed, filled, just like Jesus. If we are if we have been filled in him, that means the whole fullness of deity dwells in us bodily. Well, Jesus said that speaking of when he was going to send the spirit. He said, I and my father, this is so good. I and my father will come and make our home in you. What is the whole fullness of the deity? That's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. The whole fullness of deity. Now, right now, your carnal mind is going crazy. Because your carnal mind says, well, I don't feel like that's happened. Your carnal mind says, well, I have never seen anybody who acted like they had the whole fullness of deity. Okay? But you're carnal. The carnal mind cannot receive the truth. In order to receive the truth, you have to believe the truth. So tell your carnal mind, your unrenewed mind, to take a hike. Okay? Go, go take a hike on the beach, carnal mind, and drown yourself in the riptide. Drown yourself in the waves. Yes, that's, Lynette, that's definitely uh, part of what uh, we're talking about here. We quote that section in Isaiah that he came with a kingdom on his shoulder all the time, the government of God. Uh, because this is, this is to establish the rule or the kingdom or the dominion of God in the earth over all of his enemies and bring all nations into the sonship. This is, this is way gooder than you realize. Okay, so the whole fullness of deity dwelt in him, and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or through what Jesus prophesied and several other prophets, the whole deity of the Godhead comes to dwell in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, now it says, uh, who is the head of all rule and authority? All right, so let me just read this. Uh, this might be where I wrap up in case we got questions or we need to pray for folks. This I'm going to read that same portion of Scripture through the Weist translation. This is an English translation that is literal Greek. It's very wordy. It doesn't make good English sentences, but uh, it is the complete Greek. It's the complete thought and verb connotations and context. Everything's straight from the Greek. Let me read it. Now just listen to this with open ears. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. <clears throat> be ever on your guard, lest there shall be someone who leads you astray through his philosophy, even futile deceit, which is according to the tradition of men, according to the rudimentary teachings of this world, and not according to Christ. Because in him there is continuously and permanently at home 
all the fullness of absolute deity in bodily fashion. And you are in him. Having been, past tense, having been completely filled full with the present result that you are in a state of fullness in him. So what kind of fullness is it? A fullness that's in him. What kind of fullness did Jesus have? have? The whole fullness of the deity. And you are filled in his image. In him. The same filling fills you because you were predestined for this filling. Remember Galatians 3, 13 and 14? That we might receive the promise of the whole fullness of the deity filling us. Everything Jesus went through was to make us in his image, to receive ultimately the whole fullness of the deity in our bodies. How else can we fulfill the commands of Jesus to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons? If it took the whole fullness of the deity for Jesus to do the works that he did, it will take no less for us to do the works that he did if we believe. All right? It says, uh, having been filled full with the present result that you are in a state of fullness in him who is the head of every principality and authority. All right. So there you go. That is what it means to be a son conformed into the image of Christ. What he became was for our sake that we become we would become as he is. If this is true, we should see a scripture or two floating around in the New Testament that states this. John wrote, as he is, so are we. So whatever Jesus was, we are as well. And Paul also, in Ephesians 4, uh, stating that we are to grow up into him in all things. It doesn't say that we would grow up in him, that we would grow up into him. You know, you can grow up in Margot. But you can't grow up into Margot, right? Growing up into Christ means becoming, or let's say it like this, conformed or morphed likewise. We are morphed into what he is. Okay, that's setting your mind on things above. Thinking on these things. Believing this truth about yourself allows the whole fullness of the deity to begin to be manifested in your character, in your conduct, in your speech, in your works, in your teaching, in your preaching, in who you are as a person, that you could conduct yourself as he conducted himself. Walk as he walked. That's that's another scripture that John wrote. That we could, what? Carry the kingdom and see that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the, this is the goal that we always bring up when we teach. This is Ephesians. Uh, some, maybe, Lynn, you can grab this one. Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. Okay? Here is the goal that we're working towards. Jesus did all of this for us so we could become as he is, with the whole fullness of the deity dwelling in a human form, that we could do his will as he would do it, Okay, so that in Ephesians 9 and 10 says, so that all things in heaven 
and all things in earth would be united in Christ. And that goes back to uh, 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 Daniel 2.44 that says the kingdoms of this world are destined to be consumed by this kingdom and so many other teachings. But this is the, this is the method by which we are conformed into his image. Now, you have to renew your mind to this truth. Paul said in Romans 12.2, again, warning the church in Rome, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to the, the wisdom, the teaching, the philosophies of this world, even worldly teachers in the church. Rather, be transformed. The Greek word is metamorpho, or transfigured. Be morphed, be transfigured into, uh, or transfigured by the renewing of your mind. These truths, once believed and settled in your heart, and walked out in your daily life will transform you, will see the outward transformation of the fullness of the Godhead that dwells in your body. 